So I'm welcome to the Crossing Church. My name's Jake. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, uh, I'm usually I'm the campus minister here at the Crossing Church, so you don't see me up here very often. But uh, I'm up here now, so you get me today. <laughs> um, we're actually uh, we're, we're so excited that you guys are here. Uh, our summers are so busy here at the Crossing Church because we do a lot of summer camps for our kids, and we are about 75% of the way done. We've already done our day camp for our preschoolers. Uh, we've already done our overnight camp for our kindergartners through fifth graders. We've already done our junior high camp and those camps. Are there any junior hires in here? Was that, was that a good camp? Yep. Right. And now we have our high school camp coming up. Right. And you high schoolers are pretty pumped for that. Um, and what I have heard is that this is one of the biggest years that we are going to have so far because we have close to 100 kids signed up for this high school camp already. Um, and I'm the game planner at our camps. And so it's very frustrating to figure out, tell me a sport, please, that has 25 kids play at one time. Like, I'm literally asking you guys because I need help. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these kids, and it's going to be great. Um, but I'm so excited for our camps that are coming up, and it's just a great time in the summer. And people are all over the place. There's vacations. There's camps. There's just so many things going on. Um, and we here at the Crossings Church really try to foster that, that time in the summer. Um, if you guys uh, look in your bulletins, we actually have something coming up as well. Uh, it's our back to school or our, our end of summer party for our, our, our children's ministry. And it's really cool because it ties in well because we're actually jumping into a new sermon series today. Um, and we're going to focus on family. We, we, we thought, you know, in July, why don't we take a time for three or four weeks and just focus on family? Um, even though a lot of our people are on vacation or out of town, they tend to, to listen to our live stream or watch it while they're on vacations. Um, so no matter if you're here or, or you're listening virtually, um, family is a, a huge importance to us here at the Crossings Church. And so what we're actually going to do is this July, uh, it's cool because over the next three weeks or so, we're going to be walking through some of the things that we feel like are very vital and important to building a, a godly family. Um, we're going to be talking about husbands and wives. We're going to be talking about kids. We're going to be talking about the marriage. We're going to be talking about the foundations. Um, and actually... Uh, our, our church out in Wentzville, the Crossings Church out in Wentzville, is going to be hosting parenting seminars over the next three or four Wednesdays, and we'll have that in your bulletins next week, but it actually starts this Wednesday. Um, so talk to somebody or indicate on your card that you want some more information about that, but we have some really experienced leaders out there that have went through a lot of parenting and, and family value classes and, and have just had years of experience, and they're going to be able to give some of that knowledge to you newer married couples or you guys that have kids already, um, of what that looks like to look for that family. And so we just thought this is just a great, a great month to focus on this. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about today is family under construction, uh, random but biblical advice uh, from an unskilled builder. And you see, when you look into scripture, you find out very, very quickly uh, that, that there's a lot of, of building parables. There's a lot of building uh, that talks about buildings and foundations and workers and, and, and architects and all this kind of stuff. And there's so much of it in there. But the reality is when the Bible talks about those things, it's not just talking about the physical building. He's not just talking about physically building your house. But the reality is, is that he's, he's bringing that more into every context of our lives. These same, these same principles can be used towards building a house as they can be used towards building a family, as it can be used towards building a career, building a marriage, building a financial situation. All of these things can parallel together. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, it says, God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it, so builders beware. 
Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. And so we find that there's this awesome parable that can happen here um, on a skilled master builder, right? We all want to be labeled that, right? Nobody wants to be labeled as somebody who can't do anything in life. Um, and so whatever context you are, whether uh, you're, you're a student, you're an athlete, and, and you just want to be a, a skilled player, or you're, you're, uh, you're in the workplace now, and you want to be known as a skilled employee of whatever you guys are, or you're a father now, and you want to be known as a skilled dad, or you're you know, a wife, and you want to be known as a, a, a skilled wife or a skilled mother, or even a kid just to be a skilled you know, student of whatever your trade is. We all want that. Um, and so wherever you're at in life, these principles can really work for you. And as we apply them to the, the idea of let's put these principles towards building a family, the same thing can be said. Maybe you've already started your family, you know, and you're, you're up there in years a little bit. I, I try not to call people old because um, it's not good from the pulpit. But maybe you're a little seasoned, you know, maybe you have a little experience in your life. Maybe your family's already here, all of it's there, and maybe you have some grandkids, you know, and so, and you're looking at your life, just like any house that's already been built and you already live in, there's always, there's always need for repairs, right? As you build a house and as you, as you live in a house, no house is like, oh, nothing needs to be fixed ever, right? There's always something that needs to be fixed and worked on. And so if you're at that season in your life, maybe you look at this and you're going to look at little things that can be tweaked or looked at in your life. Or maybe you look at your life and, and you see that there's lots of flaws and errors in your life that maybe God wasn't at the center in a lot of these areas. Maybe you just started your family and you're in that process of kind of like building a house or looking to buy a house and, and you're not sure what it's going to look like to parent. Maybe you have some younger kids running around and they're still in that influential age, but like you haven't like lost them yet to culture, you know, and you're trying to figure out what in the world can I do to keep my kids like sane, you know, because when you look in the world and you look at culture and you look at social media, people are crazy in the world right now, right? And, the, and what most parents say are like, I do not want my kids looking like that. You know, like I don't want my kids acting like that or living like that. And um, we want to figure out how in the world are we supposed to keep our kids sane and wise so that they can have a successful future. And for you younger students, like you're not the hook either because you guys still have an opportunity to give this to your families that are at home. Some of you kids don't have families here. Your moms and dads and brothers and sisters are at home and, and they're not here. And you guys can take these principles back to your families and work on these things. But also you can use these as a reflection of maybe what you guys want for your future. It's so sad sometimes being in the campus ministry and asking my college students, you know, hey, what, you know, raise your hand if there's something different that you want to do you know, outside of what your moms and dads or your brothers and sisters did. And more times than not, when I ask that at one of our small groups or our cross chats or our hangouts, more than 90% of the students every single time raise their hand and say, I want to be a little different than the way that I was raised. I want, I want my family to look a little different, you know, than the way that I was, I, was, I was grown into. And so principles like this are just so awesome no matter where you're at in life, because I think sometimes we only want to apply and change our current context, but we don't want to look forward to the future. If you know anything about building a house, you don't just look at the current situation, right? You look at the long term of it. And that's what we're going to do today. So what we're going to talk about is five essential actions to take before building your house. No matter where you're at and your building stages, essential actions to take before building your house. And the first one is to choose the kind of house you want wisely. And the key word there is wisely. Choose the house I want wisely. 
There's all kinds of different houses we can pick from, right? When you think about buying a house, you can get you can get a you can get a giant mansion, right? You can get um, tiny homes are popular right now, right? How many of you guys seen like those little tiny homes like on TV and things like that? And you're like, those things look so cool. You can live in a van down by the river, you know, like you can live wherever you want right now. You got to choose the kind of house that you want, but you got to choose it wisely. It says in Proverbs 24, three and four, out of the Amplified version, it kind of gives us a little a little more flavor towards some of these words, so we know a little more depth on it, but it says, through skillfully and godly wisdom, a house or a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled all with precious and pleasant riches. You see, wisdom is emphasized and valued as the most high of commodities in the Bible. You won't look very far in the Bible and realize that wisdom is one thing that God says you desperately want, you desperately need in your life. But I think a lot of times culture has told us that like wisdom is just knowing, right? We think we're wise when we know a lot. But the reality is that that's not really what wisdom is because wisdom is, is, a, is a byproduct of knowing what, which is the information, but also the application of knowing how. And that could take some time. You see, you can have all the information in the world and be a know-it-all, but you could have no wisdom because you never touched anything, right? How many people can know how because they've read and read and read, but then when you put them in a workplace, in an environment where they're supposed to be doing it, they may not know what to do. And so God says, you know, wisdom is, is a byproduct of these two things. And it also indicates that if you can live in this manner, it will give you the ability to live in a skilled manner versus just living. Look in Proverbs 8, 11. It says, wisdom is the most important thing. You don't want to overlook that if God says it's the most important thing, Right? If David's talking about Proverbs here, he says, if it costs everything you have, get understanding. You know, that's insane to think about. That out of all the things, you know, that David looks at, and he, and he, and he pushes, and he, and he encourages, and he says, he says wisdom is the most important thing. And you can even interpret this message in a, in a way to say, if you don't have wisdom, you'll lose everything. Because if wisdom is the only way to live in a skillful manner and, and it's worth everything you have, well, without it, there's really nothing that you're going to achieve and accomplish. And so if we want to build a house wisely, choose a house we want wisely, how do most people choose their houses? You know, when you think about how people choose their houses, there's three different things that I think that people choose their houses based on that we can look at. And the first one is some, sometimes people can choose their house based on what excites them, right? I choose a house based on what excites me. That's my feelings, Right? And when you, when you actually buy a house, you know, and, and you walk into a house and you're like, oh my gosh, what kind of countertops are these? Is this, is this quartz? Is this, is this real? Or is this, is this fake? You know, and, and you like look around and you're like, these, these fixtures, I, I, I can't really do the bronze. I want like silver. I want silver fixtures, right? Or, you know, I want my outlets, my, I, I, they have to have USB ports in them. They can't just be the, the three prongs. They need USB ports. And we look and we're like, those are the things that excite us in a house, right? Nobody walks up to a house and they're like, hey, you know what's so exciting about this house? These studs behind this wall, man. There. There's some good looking studs. And the insulation behind those, oh, we picked pink insulation. You know, it's, it's, it's really nice. You know, we could have went with green, we could have went with blue, but we picked pink insulation. You know, like nobody gets excited about that stuff. They don't get excited about Brett's back there's like, I do. <laughs> He's like, I, I shop for the different colored insulation, you know. Um, but most people don't get excited about the things that make the house survive. They get excited about what they can see right in front of them. They want the things that make the house look good. And realtors have a really good job of doing that and making it look presentable, right? They walk in, they're like, hey, 
that crack in the foundation, yeah, you probably want to cover that up. <laughs> you know, like the, the, the bad realtors, the good ones are like, hey, you need to fix that before you sell this house. But more times than not, there are people out there like, I don't want to spend $15,000 on fixing this. Let's just throw some paint on it, you know? And then somebody walks in, it's so naive to me, like, oh, such pretty paints. Like, let's buy this house. And it's the things that excite us, not the things that are going to last long. Because when you choose to be excited about those things, those things are not going to make the house last forever because those things will fade. The same thing can be said about building a spiritual family. The things that look exciting, the things that draw us to them, the, the man, that girl is super hot, you know, her flaws and her character traits and her personality, like those things, maybe they'll change down the road, but man, those looks, they're going to stay the same forever. You know, same thing we said about a guy, right? The muscles, you sculpted body, right? You know, all you girls are, you're giggling. I see it all, right? Um, those things, you're like, yeah, I can, I, can, I, can, I can live with that, you know? But nobody in their marriage, in their life, 20 years down the road was like, you know what? My marriage is terrible, but I'm staying with him because he's hot. You know, nobody says that because those character traits, those personalities, those things that really mean the values, the things that really matter, those are the things that are going to last. It says Proverbs 19.2, it says, Being excited about something is not enough. You must also know what you're doing. Don't rush into something or you might do it wrong. See, it's so important to not focus when we're starting our foundation, figuring out what kind of house we want. We can't just look at the surface stuff. When we look at our families, we can't just look at the surface stuff of what we want to build our house, what we want to be known for, what our values are. We can't just look at the surface of what the culture is telling us. We have to look at something different. So feelings is not a good way to base how you want to build your house. Another one is we, sometimes we choose based on what we've seen. I can choose to build a house based on what I've seen. And that's essentially my experiences. You know, a lot of times people will look at a house and be like, you know, once I was in a house and they had this going on, and that's, that's kind of what I wanted my house too, you know? And they base their on experiences, or they say, you know, I was watching HGTV, you know? And I, was, I, have, I have the Better Homes books at home, and I, and I was looking through all these different things, and that's, that's really what I want, you know? And they, and they look and they have these experiences um, growing up in the same way with our families. You know, my mom and my dad did it like this, you know? Or this is what I've always been exposed to. And experiences can be good if your experience was good, you know, like if, if, if you had a really good experience growing up with a good family and you had solid foundations and, and, you know, you had that, that's a good idea to maybe work off of your experiences. But like I said earlier with a lot of my college students, more times than not in the world and the culture we live in today, more people than not say that they didn't have the greatest experience in a solid family. But more times than not, we choose to repeat that cycle. Because it's all we know. It's all, it's all, we, can, it's all we can go with. Um, even in the Old Testament, you know, our, our, the ancestors that we look at, they would choose to go back to what they knew for their experiences. Look at Psalm 78, verses 55 through 57. It says, He settled the families of Israel peaceably in their tents. Even after all this, they disobeyed God and did not live by His commands. Rather, they regressed to their father's ways and lived faithlessly. They were as, as, as untrustworthy as a defective bow. And what's crazy is God even gave them a different life because it talks about how they were peacefully in their tents. And even after all the good stuff, even after the change happened, they still regressed back to what they had experienced growing up. 
And I think a lot of times even we can get a fire underneath of us and we, like we want to change. We're like, you know, there are some things that I want to change about my life. There are some things that I want to do differently. Um, you know, some of you guys know about me, some of you guys don't, but like my marriage, my mom's, my parents' marriage wasn't great because there, it was non-existent. My mom and dad never married. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. He left whenever I was a young kid. Uh, he was a drug addict. He had passed away a couple years ago in some state that I don't even remember in a motel. And that's kind of my experience from parenting, you know, growing up. My mom was a bartender. Uh, she worked really late nights. None of my brothers and sisters have solid marriages. You know, like, um, when I look at my family and the context of what I've seen, I say all that, and then I say, you know, based on my experiences, I think I got this down. You know, like, like that would be, be very foolish of me to say, but, it's, but my lifestyle sometimes and my pride makes me want to act like that. You know, how many times we look at our lives and say, I know what I'm doing, but the reality is when we look at our experiences from our, from our previous life or from our past, we have, we have no idea how we should know what to do. We just don't know any better. And even now, you know, I found a relationship with God. My wife and I have three daughters, and we're trying our best to keep them on this path. But there are still times where even in all the blessings God's given me, I see myself being selfish. You know, I see myself being prideful. I see myself wanting to push my kids in athletics like I was whenever I was a kid. Like, I see myself wanting to force things on them that, that makes them want to sacrifice what a good product of a family could be. And God says, you know, you need to look at your experiences. And if you have good ones, yeah, use those things. But if you've had bad ones, man, that's not a good place to start your foundation either. Um, the third point we can talk about here as well is, you know, lastly, I can choose based on what God says. And that's your faith. You know, this is, this is where you want to plant it. And sometimes those experiences can, can complement this. But the reality is, is this is where you need to start. I can choose to build based on what God says. Where does wisdom come from? It doesn't come from our experiences. It doesn't come from just seeing what we've always seen. Maybe there are some in there that we can contribute to. It doesn't come from our feelings by any means. But what's saying Proverbs 2.6? It says, the Lord gives wisdom. Knowledge and understanding come from his mouth. And, I, and I'll bet to guess that if, he, if you've had a good experience and, and your family has had some wisdom that more times than not, that wisdom from them came from the Lord. It didn't come from them, you know? And so even in those experiences, it, all can, it can all revert back to relationship with God and what he has done to build and solidify something good within wisdom. It's all about what God says and how we can choose to look at his word and figure out that's the blueprint of where we're going. So we need to choose the kind of house we want wisely and figure out how you are choosing your house, how you're choosing your family. The second one is that we, we need to calculate what it will cost to build. You need to calculate what it will cost to build. This is one of the most stressful parts of building a house, isn't it? For anybody that's ever built a house or anyone who's ever bought a house or whatever it may be, going to the bank is not the most fun, is it? You know, having that sit down of being like, all right, based on your credit score and based on how much you make, here's your magic number, you know? And they give you like a number of what you can build and then they're like, well, based on these other things, here's your interest rate, you know, like, and then it starts spiking up and here's the, here's the cost of a, a, B, and C, and here's the contractor's cost of A, B, and C, and, and you look at all this stuff and you're like, that's a lot, you know? The first time that Katie and I bought a house and we came on this church plant, we sat down and we, you know, we, we, got our, we got our number and we found a house and it fit in there and then we like, we're like, this is perfect, blah, 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 and we, we sit down at that, that signing and there's like a, 
like a 50-page thing that we assign this, sign this, sign. There's like six people in the room. And I'm like, am I signing my life over right now? <laughs> like, am I, like, 30 years. And like, it was one of those moments that I had to sit back and, and, and dude, I'm having a midlife crisis and I'm in my 20s. Like, I'm going to be 55 when I pay this loan off. And I started freaking out for a minute. And I was like, do we really want to do this? And she's like, yes, we need a house. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right. And so I was, but I was like looking at it. And I started to think about, man, how long is it going to take? How long am I going to have to, like, am I going to be able to afford this? And I started thinking about this more and more and more. And it started stressing me out a lot because I was like, I didn't really think this through. I just kind of wanted a house. But it doesn't just work like that. You don't just say, hey, I want a house. And somebody's like, hey, here's a house. And that's it. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that go along with it. There's a lot of costs that came with it. But being aware of those costs prepares you to, to prepare to pay for that house or to acknowledge if it's going to be too much. You know, Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, Don't follow me without considering what it will cost you. For who would construct a house first before sitting down to estimate the cost to complete it? Otherwise, they may lay the foundation and not be able to finish then the neighbors will ridicule them, saying, look at him. He started to build, but he couldn't complete it. You see, it's so hard to want to start a family or to start something and have this vision of what it's going to be. But the reality is, is that we don't really understand all those sacrifices that are going to come along the way. Right? We have an idea of what we want our families and what we want our lives to look like, but then when it, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, the day-to-day, the year-to-year stuff, a lot of times we cut a lot of costs for other things that we want to get. But honestly, it doesn't matter if you're godly or ungodly. You're going to pay a price regardless for your building. You're going to pay a price regardless for what you choose to build your life upon. You see, some people choose to, you know, I really want a good, strong family. But then yet they spend most of their time feeding their kids into after-school programs and athletics and things like that, which are totally fine, but that becomes the God whenever there's not a reality around why they do those things. Some people really think that working and, and, and I'm, I'm building something strong in my family because I'm going to work a lot and I'm going to make more money and I'm going to get more promotions and I'm going to become somebody that works you know, 50, 60 hours and I'm going to be out of the house all the time. But that costs is costing you your family's values in your own heart in your life. What are you teaching them when you're not even there? You're teaching them something different. You're teaching them that money and time away from the family is more important than the time in the family. And if you're not going to disciple and, 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 and help your kids grow and foster, somebody will, and it will probably be the culture. It'll, it'll probably be the students that they go to school with. It'll probably be the TikToks and the Snapchats and the things that they watch on social media. It'll, those will be the things that raise your kids. You know, and we look at these things and it doesn't matter, like I said, if we're godly or not, there's always a cost to what it's going to look like to build. And so there's three questions you can ask yourself when you're when you're kind of reflecting, you're looking back at these things, just like when you're building a house yourself. That kind of helps us weigh if it's really worth it. You know, the first one is how much will I pay? You know, the world we live in right now, how much will I pay? They want to tell you you can afford way more things than you can, you know. Um, it, you know, I was, I was looking at a, a credit card because we're, we're going to do some, we're going to have some medical bills coming up for some things that we're going to be doing. And I, had a, I have a credit card that's just for medical bills, so there's no interest on or anything like that. Um, but it's like a $500 max based on what we were at. And I was like, 
it, it typed in a question like, hey, you know, let's raise the raise your amounts. And I was like looking at it, and I was like, well, how much can I get? You know, like I didn't I didn't be like, it didn't ask me for like like bank statements, it didn't ask me for like my pay stubs, it just says, how much do you want to raise it to? And I was like, three thousand dollars. You know, because I'm like, I'm gonna get rejected and I hit enter. I was like, Congratulations, you've been proof. I was like, what? I was like, it's that easy? And I'm like, I can only imagine what it's like with like actual credit cards that give you interest. But I'm like, the world wants us to be like, you can afford more and more and more. And I'm like, you don't even know me. Like I was like, I was looking at the computer, I was like, how do you how do you do this? You don't even know what I'm going on in my life. But the world wants us to afford things way more than we can actually afford. You go in and get a pre-approved for your house, quarter million dollars. Sweet, I can get a huge house, you know? But they don't realize how much money you spend like at the grocery stores, at the gas stations, at every single little thing that you do in your life, on your video games, on your live streaming service. They, like, they don't calculate all that stuff, but they're like, here's how much money we're going to give you. you know? And so when you look at how much you can really pay, is it worth it? Can you, in the longevity of the, the entire scheme, afford that? You need to consider that. Second one is, how long will I pay? That's where I freaked out. You know, how long, how long do I have to do this? You know, how long is this really going to be something that I have to be a part of before I like, I feel free again? You know, the most freeing feeling is paying off a debt, is it not? Like, how many of you guys have ever paid off a debt and you're like, I'm done. I'm a free man. You know, like, I'm done with this. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, once you get, but once you're, once you're like trapped in it and like shackled in it, this car loan, man, it, it never stops. It's like every, every 15th of the month, I got to pay this every single time. And the same thing with our house mortgage, you know, it just, it never stops. And you're like, how many more, man, I feel like I've been paying on this for 10 years. How many more years I got on it? 15 more, you know, and we were like, I feel like I'm in this forever. And the reality is, is that same things with longevity can be said about a spiritual family. How long do I have to do this before like, my kids get it. You know, how long do I have to be the example before I can do what I want to do? You know, and like we, we have those comments and those things like that. I even say it sometimes, like my, I have three little girls and I'm like, how long before they're like out of my house so like I can be me again? You know, like how long before I have the freedom to just be like, when Katie wakes up and she's like, what are you doing today? And I'm like, whatever I want. You know, like how, long, how much longer before I'm like, I got to take the kids to school and then I got I to gotta read their Bibles at night and I got to do, do all these different things. And I have that, that bad mindset in my head that I'm like, how long do I have to like drag these kids around with me before I can be free again? Um, and sometimes people don't count that cost. And it sounds like I'm complaining a lot about that, but like I do that work because I know the freedom that has, but honestly... Some people choose to quit in the longevity, is it not? How many dads walk out of their families because they're like, I didn't think it was going to take this long. I don't like how long it's taking for my kids to develop in this way. I don't like how our relationship is where it's at with my husband and wife, so I'm just going to dip out. You know, people don't, they don't, they don't count these costs. They don't count the longevity. Who else will pay? You know, that's a third one. Interest? Why do I got to pay interest? You know, like... Why, why does the bank get some of my money just because I went to them? Like, well, how, why, does, why is that a thing? Why is interest a thing? You know, I'm going to make this a completely different sermon. <laughs> but why, why are these things things? Like, why do we have to give other people money for doing the things that we're doing ourselves? Like, and we look at those things and like, who else is going to benefit? Who else will pay or who else will I pay because of these things? You know, who else is this going to affect around me 
because of these things going on in my life. And the same thing can be said about our families. You know, the decisions that you make, either you're going to be paying for on the side or somebody else is going to make that payment as well. When you choose to be the man or the woman that you are, your kids will pay for that. When you choose to involve yourselves in A, B, and C, your family's going to pay for that. So are you doing things that when they pay, it benefits their life, or when you pay, it, it fractures their life? You know? I spend a lot of time in ministry, obviously. I'm a campus minister. I stand up here on the stage, you know? So my kids get dragged along with what I do. I go to kids' camps, they come with me. I go to campus retreats, they come with me. My kids pay for that. They lose out on a lot of free time. But I truly believe that when my kids are involved with the other college students learning and living to live like God, my kids will benefit from that. Amen. When my kids go to these workshops and these things and they sit in the back row with a bunch of adults sitting in a crowd, they will benefit from that. Much more so than what I used to be about. You know, I spent a lot of time playing sports growing up. I played a lot of baseball. I played a lot of sports. And there was a time that, like, I played slow-pitch softball, like, religiously like that was so I went to Bethalto and I played in this uh, I played I played I played baseball at, at Bethalto and there was a PE teacher there that he was like the ringer of Bethalto players and it was so weird because like after we went to college and played like he kind of like followed our careers and stuff and then after we graduated college if like we were done with baseball he always found a way to to come back to us and like hey Jake I got a slow pitch softball team and it's all Bethalto graduates over like the last 15 years and he's like, and you could be a part of that. And I was like, yes, like finally, I'm not done with baseball yet. And so like this softball team was like a generational, like 15, 20 years of Bethalto baseball players. We all played the same way, all had the same coach. But like we went on these travel tournaments and we went on all these teams. And I'm not bashing slow pitch softball because there was some awesome opportunities that I had there. But the reality was is that my kids benefit a whole lot more from doing the things that I do now versus me dragging them to these tournaments and having them sit there on their tablets for six or eight hours a day so I can still fulfill something that I want to do for myself. See what I'm saying? And I think a lot of times those, those ideas of who else will pay, it kind of comes down to what your interests are. You know, it doesn't have to just be a sport. It doesn't just have to be that. What about work? What about what we do with our lives? Your kids maybe aren't paying because they're getting dragged with you, but they're paying because somebody else is, is, is mentoring them. You know? Like I said, the TV, the, the babysitters, the whatever it is. And all this stuff, like I said, is to be said in moderation. So I'm not anti any of that stuff. I'm not anti softball or anti babysitters. Like that would be, babysitters are from the, no, I'm not saying that. But I'm not anti any of that stuff. But in moderation, somebody's going to pay for the time. Like somebody's got to take the time and you have to make the decisions just like this. Everyone needs a house. Everyone needs a place to live. So the, the answer to this is not, oh, I'm just going to be homeless, you know, the answer is count the costs in your life and figure what your life, how much will you pay? Will you be able to afford that? How long will you pay and who else will pay? You need, to, you need to be wise enough to look at these questions and find a context that fits your conviction and your relationship with God and do that. It says in Mark 8, 36, I don't think this is on your notes, but it says, what will it profit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What will it profit you if you take the highest amount of loan out and you take the longest stretched out loan out and you sacrifice all this time to, to make those payments, what, what does it benefit if you have all the stuff but you're spending the rest of your life paying for it? And the same thing can be said about a family. What, what is it worth to get everything that you want right off the bat 
and then spend the rest of your life paying for it because you didn't think about it ahead of time. So we have to connect or we have to calculate what it costs to build. The third one is we have to consult a trustworthy architect, the master builder. You know, we need to find a trustworthy architect. We need to have somebody in our life that teaches us and shows us how to do it. Doing it by yourself is not, a, is not a good idea. Design by, design by default is not a good approach by yourself, you know? Um, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to make blueprints to build a house. I have not. I, I can barely make a Lego house with my daughters, you know? With, and, and, you know, like, have you ever seen, like, those big old Lego sets that they're, like, crazy amounts of money that I only give my kids on Christmas because they're so expensive? Um, have you ever just tried to look at that house and take those thousand Lego pieces and like, all right, I'll put that there, you know, put that there, and it doesn't work like that, right? They give you that little book that's got like 700 pages in it, and it's like piece by piece, Lego by Lego, that you, it, they, they, an architect has already created that for you. And the same thing about buying a house is the same way. There's no way I could do it by myself. Um, but once again, buying an architect or bringing an architect in, that has a cost. You know, and you can jump through hoops and you can cut costs to try to create things yourself. But once again, you may not have the final product that you want. I think a lot of times people have this vision, like when they buy a house, they're like, this is my dream house, you know, and, and they have a picture of it or they've, you know, I got online and I started to fiddle around with this website and like, I have a general idea, a blueprint, here you go, architect. And your architect like tears it apart and they're like, this house where's the support beams <laughs> like where's where's the framing at like where where are all these little things at and the architect comes in and, and looks at our dreams and our designs and like that's terrible like you did not think about the things that are important like I do this for a living let me design and you can give me flavor into what you want and need and I will help complement that into what the reality is of your house you know um, and we need that when we buy a house because we have we have the necessity for an architect well, the same thing can be said about constructing a healthy family. You need an architect in your life. You need somebody to help teach you what that should look like. And, the, and look at this in Psalm 127.1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders work for nothing. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the men who watch stay awake for nothing. You see, the architect here is God. God is the only architect that could help us build a family that would be long-lasting, that, that would be structurally sturdy for a long time. And Hebrews 11.10, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You see, you need to find a trustworthy architect in your life that you trust, because like, you don't want to move into a house with a shady architect that built your house, right? Nobody does that. Nobody goes and buys a house, and they're like, and they have people over for a dinner party, like, hey, man, like, check out my house. Like, oh, this is awesome. Who did this? Who, does, who built your house? It's like, man, I found the shady guy down the road for, like, 25 bucks. Like, he just brought out these plans. I wouldn't stand in that corner if I were you, but, like, the rest of this house, it's good. You know, like, people don't say that. Like, they don't look at their houses and they're like, hey, this guy who built it, it's, uh, it is what it is. But, like, I'm at least, I'm in here, you know. And the same way with our families. Like, nobody would say that. Nobody's like, hey, man, like, I got this advice from this dude on TikTok, you know, and he was saying he's doing this with his family. So, like, my family is the way that it is because of all these social media inspirations that I get around the world. You know, like, all, I see what they're doing, and, and 
it's a good family besides the one, that one kid, you know, but like the rest of us, like we're good, you know, like, I want to say around him, he's a biter, you know, but like the rest of us, like we're totally fine. Like we don't sit there and, and have our families look a certain way and say that we've built them by shady people, you know, and God's trying to help us understand, like, listen, I am the only one who can build something for you that's going to last long, that's not going to be shady. It's not going to be something that you have to question. It says in Matthew 7, 24, it says, Those people who are listening to me, those people who hear what I say and live according to my teachings, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock on a firm foundation. You see, God needs to be the architect, but honestly, his blueprints are the Bible. That's it. Like, he literally gives us the plans. He gives us the blueprint, and you don't need to look anywhere else on this earth for plans. You don't have to, you don't have to go and hire somebody in to teach you how to be, you know, a good, solid family. You don't have to be a good husband or a good wife or, or good students or, or, or your, wherever your foundation is at in life. You don't have to go look anywhere else besides God's Word. It's right there for us. It's right there in front of us, and God gives it to us like an architect would write out blueprints. But that's not enough. Because when you have that, that doesn't mean you know what to do. And that brings us to our fourth point, because you need to connect with people who know how to build. It's not enough to say, God has given me the blueprints, so I'm good. That would be like you going out to a random field that you had just bought, and an architect giving you blueprints, and you building the house. You know, like... Nobody's like, I mean, there are people in the world who can do those things now, but most people, if probably most people in this room, besides Reggie Conley, and I'll get to him later, but most people in this room, and even Reggie would have struggles as well, if I handed you the blueprints of a house and I said, there's a plot of land, go do it, you're going to be lost. You know, most of us are going to be lost to figure out, all right, I got to pour concrete. I don't know how to dig a hole. You know, like, I got to figure out how to mix this stuff. I don't know. All right, now the foundation's down. I got to put up the framing. I got to put electric in. I don't know how to wire this stuff. I don't know how it works. Like, and I got to put a roof on. I got to put it on the walls. I, I, I don't, like, and maybe we have some general ideas on some of those areas, but to culminate an entire healthy house, more times than not, even contractors need to hire other contractors in to do some of this work. And for some of us, we have some pretty decent families because we have general knowledge, but there are still flaws. There are still areas that need help. There are still areas that people need to come in and help with those things. You know, my house, for example, like when we bought our house, it was an unfinished basement. Um, and it looks rough. Uh, how many of you guys have ever been to my house? Just by show of hands. And probably enjoyed a movie in my basement with our... our uh, our flat screen projector that scrolls down that I got on Craigslist, you know, and my projector because I buy everything on Craigslist or buy, sell, trade, um, and sat on my couches that I found on the side of the road for free um, and all that stuff, right? And so that's kind of, most of you guys have been in that basement and you've seen my setup. And if it wasn't for Reggie Conley, you'd all be sitting on a square concrete floor, cold and shivering and maybe wet, um, and that would have been your experience in my house, you know? But Reggie Conley is like that Lego, like, master builder guy, you know, like they're always looking for. And Reggie has really came into my house, and he has helped show me and teach me. And some things he's taught me, and I still don't know. But, like, he's like, you got to do it this way. And I'm like, I'm totally watching, but I'm not hearing anything that you're saying right now, you know? And I, I'm like, I'll call you in a couple weeks whenever I have a problem again. But it's so hard because that experience is so important. 
And if it wasn't for guys like Reggie, like my house wouldn't be the way that it is and it wouldn't be something that could be used in a beneficial way. It wouldn't look the way that it looks. You know, for you guys that look at my house and you're like, oh, you're beautiful. Or, I am beautiful, you know. <laughs> but your house is beautiful. I just complimented myself, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of people laughed at that. I didn't really like that. Um, but, you know, you're like, your house is beautiful. I don't sit there and I'm like, oh, yeah, I did this all by myself. It's so sweet. No credit to anybody else. You know, I don't sit there and kind of gloat in the things that I do, unless I did it. You know, but, no, more things than not in my house, I'm like, I didn't do this. Like, somebody came over to help me with these things. Um, you know, Reggie helped me with my basement. I had Katie's dad kind of help me with my back porch. I'm still waiting on Aaron to finish my backyard. You know, like, there's so many different things. <laughs> I guess me there. It's been too long, Aaron. No, I was joking. Um, but I have people come in to teach me and show me how to do things. And whenever people come over and they compliment those things, I don't give credit to myself. I give credit to the people who showed me and helped me along the way. And the same thing with our families. A lot of times we just want to have this pride about we've built something great within our families. But the reality is, is that when we do it ourselves, we have no clue what we're doing and they tend to crash and burn and we don't want to give credit to anybody, but we choose to want to blame other people for their wrongdoings in the family. You know, when a family leads to a, a terrible marriage and a divorce, oh, I'm giving credit to my best friend here on this one. You know, like we don't say that. We usually try to blame the other person in the, in the marriage, right? But we want to have this pride when somebody's like, oh, I mean, your guys' marriage is so healthy. Your family's so well put together. How do you do it? Oh, you know, I just, just kind of came along with it, you know, just kind of happened. That's not how it works. If you find anybody that's humble, they'll say, you know, I got a lot of help. <laughs> like, I had a lot of people come into my life and show me what it looked like. For me, like I said, I had no good example of a godly marriage. So I found a lot of leaders in my life, people like Wes, people like um, Carrie and Hannah, their campus ministers on the other side of the river that we spend a lot of time with and partner with. There's, there's, there's couples in our lives that we've looked at as models for marriage, and we say, hey, we need help. We have a question. We're in this fight. Like, this is a tough, we're in a rough patch right now. And I need people who know how to build. I know people who have looked at the blueprints of God's word and have went through those experiences and have gained the wisdom to instill in us so that now we can have that wisdom to build something strong and repeat that cycle for the next generation. And you need to find people that are like that and defer them. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Listen to your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. Notice the fruits of their lives and mirror their faith. You see, God wants us to look for people in our lives who have done well and go to them and say, I need the help. I need the understanding. I need to see what that looks like. But there's such a pride with people to want to go to other people for help, to be told what to do. And if you're ever going to have a solid family, you've got to drop that pride and just be able to go to some people and say, listen, I need help. I need to figure out how to, to change the situation or how to work on this. Because look at this verse again. It says, listen to your leaders. And, you know, as I, I'm, I'm a leader in our church, and I give a lot of advice out to college students or to young adult married couples that, you know, are along that path. And I say things, but I don't give them, you know, the, the, the Jake blueprint. Like, this is what Jake does. This is what Jake would do. I'm not, I'm not applying that verse if that's how I say it, you know. But it says, listen to your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. See, if you have people in your life that are giving you advice just because it's what they would do, they're not giving biblical advice. You need to have people in your life that would give you advice based on what God's word 
is telling you to do. And so anytime I talk to a, a situation or a person and I, and I give advice, I say, well, you know, what does the Bible say here? You know, well, we did this, but we did this because of what God's blueprint said for us. And it could benefit you as well. And so, you know, for you leaders in the room, that's maybe a challenge in how you disciple and how you give instruction to people. Maybe, you know, make sure that God's word is the blueprint. And it doesn't mean that what you're saying is wrong, but you always want to bring it back to Scripture. So it's not a fight between people, but it's a fight between blueprints. And then the reality is, is that second part, this is such a good verse. Don't go to people who don't have fruits. You know, just because somebody's a leader doesn't mean that they're a good leader. Just because somebody in a church says that they have this position or this title doesn't mean that they're showing fruits. If I went to a church and I saw a youth leader that was like, hey, that's my youth leader, and I see him out on the weekends getting drunk and wasted, and he's sleeping around with girls, like, but he's a leader. It says, listen to your... I'm not going to go to that person. I'm not going to go to somebody who has a terrible marriage for marriage advice. I'm not going to go to somebody whose, whose kids don't respect them and have fallen away from Christ to get parenting advice. Like, I'm not going to... It doesn't make any sense. Hebrews, it tells us, listen to leaders who have spoken Scott over to you and notice the fruits of their lives and mirror their faith. Those are the people you should be reaching out for and looking for in life. And Proverbs 24, 5 and 6, it says, It's better to be wise than strong. Thank the Lord for that one. <laughs> um, as you can tell, I'm not, the, I'm not the cream of the crop. Intelligence outranks muscle any day. This verse just gets better and better. <laughs> Strategic planning is like, a key, is like the key to warfare. You win and you need a lot of good counsel. You see, it's not always about putting this front up about how strong your family is. It's not about showing that you don't have any flaws, you guys are perfect. You know, our, our, it's not, that's not the way that God wants us to approach having that. Because the reality is that there's all kinds of flaws. But he says, it's a lot better to have intelligence. It's a lot better to have wisdom to learn how to work on this family to make it strong rather than to try to make it look like it's strong, but it's really weak on the inside. And so we have to connect with people to know how to build. And then lastly, we need to commence building. We just got to do it. You guys seen that, that like Shiloh LaBeouf uh, like pump up video? Just do it! Just do it! You know? Like, I don't know how many times we watched that as like a joke. And then we started watching it and we're like, yeah, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. You know, like, I mean, he's so right. He's just so right. And those, all those motivational speakers, you just got to get out there and do it. You just got to do it. Well, that's part of it. You got to start. You know, so many people have all these plans and all these plans, and then 5, 10, 15 years goes by. Never started. You know, I've, even, even now I'm getting a little bit older, and over the years I've heard people say, you know, I'm, I'm going to start saving up some money. I'm going to start saving up some money. That's, that's like the key words for college students. I've been to Camp Smith for 10 years. I'm going to start saving up some money. I'm going to start saving up some money. So 10 years down the road, they're married with adults. Yeah, i got to start saving up some money, you know. At some point, i got to start saving some money, you know. And the money's never saved. I'm like, where has it been, man? It's been 10 years now, you know. And we, we always say things that we want to do. You know, I'm finally going to start working on this in my marriage. I'm going to start doing something different in my marriage. I'm going to start saying things differently. I'm going to start living a little differently. A couple years go by, a couple years go by. I'm going to start doing something differently. I, I really want to change this. And, and we always say these things, 
you know, I, I got to start being more involved with my kids. I got to start saying more things to my kids. I got to start, I got to start being more, around more. I got to start teaching them more through life. And we, we say all these things, but we never do them. And then those times go through, 5, 10, 15 years, and it's, it's, it's kind of sometimes too late. The effect has already happened. The kid has already left the nest. The marriage has already been severed, you know? And we look at these things, and we're like, now it's 15 years down the road, we're like, I wish I would have said these things. I wish I would have done these things. I wish I could have that time back. But if we're ever going to start on this, it's got to start today, guys. It's got to start in your marriage. It's got to start in your families. It's got to start... And, and just even the way that you guys look for leaders or you guys look for insight, it's got to start at some point, and why not be today? Proverbs 13, 16 says, wise people act. And they don't just act, but they act with knowledge. So the first step in, in showing you have wisdom is to do something with it. If you ask God for all this wisdom, he says, all right, the first step in, in acquiring wisdom is to just go do. doesn't say anything about being successful. It doesn't say anything in this verse or anything that we talk about in wisdom that says that you're going to succeed every single time. That's not what wisdom is. But wisdom is having the courage to try and do, and when you fail, learn from it and grow. And it's like I was talking in the teacher's class. It's kind of like double dutch, you know? That how many of you guys ever did double dutch like when you were kids, like on the playgrounds, right? And how many of you guys, I don't know if you remember this or not, I was terrified. Like, I was like, I was jump rope master right here. Like, ain't nobody touching me on this. I could do this all day. But then whenever I saw those two going, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, and I was so terrified. And I was watching those kids being like, like, getting, I'm like what are they doing? Like, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm like, what are they doing over there? Like, I can't do that. I'm just going to keep jumping all day over here, you know? But all my friends started going to double dutch, and they started learning. You know, like little kindergartners, like, they can't get that stuff down, but come first grade, second grade, those ones that had the little, you know what I'm talking about, those ones that had the little clicks on them, yeah, I remember those, and then I became a PE teacher, and I was like, let's get the, I'd, I'd buy the equipment just with the click ones for a reason, even though they break and they're like the worst ones to buy, they're still a cool sounds on the, on the, on the, on the pavement, but when I'd watch kids, and I used to be a PE teacher too, so when I would watch kids, you know, kid would get ready, they jump in, completely mess it up, you know. And there were kids that would do that, and I never saw them try it again. Never once saw them try it again. And I'd try to push them in there. I'd try to encourage them during recess and free time. Never do it again. Went back to the by themselves. And that's the other kids getting that line and try it again. Same thing would happen. <laughs> you know, the legs get all tripped up, get all mad. But they get right back in line. And after a while, they get one or two of them. After a while, they'd get two or three. After a while, they get three or four. After a while, they get five or six. After a while, they're doing it, playing the whole song through as they're jumping. That's what it's like to build a strong family. You can't just try once and make a mistake and give up and leave. You know, so many families in America give up so fast. So many kids give up on their parents, so many parents give up on their kids, so many husbands give up on their wives, so many wives give up on their husbands too fast. But just like Double Dutch, just like a wise person here, there's going to be failures, there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be flaws, 
But if you really want to build a solid family based on what God's word says, based on his blueprint, it means that you're going to have flaws and failures, but you're going to keep getting back in that rope and jumping with your family to build something strong and long lasting. And God wants you to be a light. He wants your family to be a beacon for the world because the world out there is messed up and those families out there are jacked up just as much as the ones in here. And the way that we choose to respond, the only thing different from families in the church and families in the world is how they choose to respond. That's it. There's no difference. Nobody in this church building is better than anyone in the world and nobody in the world is better than anyone in this church building. It's, we're all the same. The only thing different is how we choose to respond and why we choose to respond the way that we do. And I think, honestly, my family is able to disciple more people, whether it be college students or other married couples, or my kids are now discipling kids and they're learning how to bring their friends and invite them to church. They're not necessarily discipling them, but they're, they're, they're learning how to evangelize. They're learning how to invite their friends to church. They're doing those things. And I think, honestly, people look at us more because of our mistakes and how we've grown from them than the strength that we've shown on a front being like, I want to be that front. It's not like that. It's, I've seen that mistake, and I've done that, and I want to recover like you've recovered. And that's what God wants us to look like. In Genesis 11, 3 through 6, you know, this is the Tower of Babel. We've all heard the story before in the Tower of Babel. But it says, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them hard. They used bricks for stones and asphalt for mortar. They said, come, let's build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky, and let's make a name for ourselves so that we won't be dispersed all over the earth. Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the humans built, and the Lord said, there is now one people, and they all have one language. This is what they have begun to do, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. If you know anything about the Tower of Babel, God did not want this to happen. God was not, you know, God intervenes here and he destroys the tower and spreads all the people out because he's like, this is, there's a pride ego check that needs to happen right now, you know. So he didn't really want that to happen. But even in the midst of something that God did not want to happen, it was, God could not deny that it says right here, when they began to do something together, all they planned to do was going to be possible for them. God could not deny in the midst of something that was not meant to happen that when people were united, there was nothing they couldn't do. And that's so encouraging because when you look at that, even in the midst of them doing something that was wrong, that when we stand united, we can do anything. And no matter where your family's at, no matter what stage of life you're at with your family or um, the, the family that you want to build, God wants you to know that if you become united, if you can connect with people, if you can use his blueprint, if you can do the, there, there is no stopping what your life can become. If you feel like you've got sons or daughters that are just out in the world and they are, they are living a life of sin, they are living a life that's just not in relationship with God, God still gives hope here. He says it's not too late for anyone. It's not too late to rekindle these things. If you have brothers or sisters or if you have moms or dads that are just kind of still stuck in the world and, they, and they've lost that, like... It's not impossible. You know, our student ministries, what's so cool about here, here at the Crossings Church, is more times than not, students tend to bring their parents. They reach out to their parents more so than parents drag their kids to church. It's so crazy to see, and it's so fun to see how a, a child choosing to, to take their life seriously and their blueprints differently, it sparks something different in their moms and dads. They go to a church camp, and they come back completely changed, and their parents are like, let's get in this church because it's changing something in my kid, and I want that too. 
It's so cool to see those things that can happen. And God sits here and tells us, listen, if you do this my way, he doesn't have to intervene to break it apart. He's going to intervene to bless it even greater. That's the cool thing about looking at this verse. And so here at the Crossing Church, I love the idea of unity in the family that we have here because we're not segregated ministries where we have a high school and a campus and adult ministry that just kind of do their own things. But we are all intertwined because where we are wanting to build independent families within our own personal households, we realize the only way that happens is if we choose to stay united as as an incomplete family of God. We all work together as a family in this church to help the independent families that we have within our church. And because of that, I feel we are building our own tower that God looks at and is proud upon. And this church will grow and grow and grow because of what the families of God are going to do within the family of God. And so if you're visiting with us today, that's what, that's what we're about. That's what we do here at the Crossings Church. Um, we have a bulletin. If you guys want to pull that out, there's a cardstock piece of paper in your guys' bulletin. And on that, you know, on that cardstock piece of paper, there's lots of different things that we offer here at the Crossings Church. And I want to encourage you guys to look at that and look through that. Um, I don't know where you're at today. If you're visiting and you're like, I want to know more about this church, you know, um, we, we connect with those family dynamics through different things we do within our church. We do small groups here at the Crossings Church where every, every member of our church is a part of a small group. Um, and those small groups help disciple and help bring up bar, about this family dynamic that we choose to have when we go home. Um, we do different things and we, you know, we just, we, we want to challenge you guys with this graphic to just connect somehow. You know, it's, it's hard to have a relationship, a good relationship with your family if you're not connected to them. And so here at the Crossings Church, we want to we look at the scripture and say, well, we're a family of God and we need to connect with each other. And we do it in a lot of different ways. And so if you guys are more interested in that, if you want to look at what it looks like to have a relationship with God, maybe check you on a personal Bible study. If there's just certain habits or things that you struggle with, addictions, we have support services for that. That, you know, I know that this is an issue that's holding me back from doing some of these things. And I just can't, I can't overcome the struggle well, we have people that have been in that spot that teach classes that have been in those same spots. So I don't know where you guys are at today. You guys can kind of look over that card. What we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up and we're going to sing a song. Um, and that will give you guys some time to fill out that card. And then uh, they'll give you some further instructions on that second song. And then we'll wrap the service up for today. So I'm glad that you guys are here today. I'm glad you guys visited. Um, and hopefully see you guys for the rest of the sermon series on family. And invite your families. You know, this is a great time to invite your families into the church and, and hear what we're talking about to give some more, uh, some more insight. Um, so let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much uh, for this, the topic of family. You know, God, it's, I think sometimes it's, it's like, why would we do a family topic in the summertime? Because in the summers, we're all so busy and we're all over the place. But I think that's the perfect time to talk about it because in the summers, we tend to be with our families more than we are in the school year. And so why not spend some time to look at God's word, to look at what you have to say um, with building this family? But the reality is, is that to have a strong, healthy family, we need to be connected to your family. Um, And I pray that everyone who's here today can look at that and figure out what that means in their context and and how to apply that to their lives, Lord. So thank you again for your son. Thank you again for uh, the church family that I have. And thank you again um, for everything that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.